0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Hello, I'm Dr. Petrus Grivas. I'm a professor at the University of Oslo and Fred Hudson Cancer Center. I'm a medical oncologist, and I would like to welcome you in our episode with the title Will Antibody Drug Conjugates Advance into Earlier Therapy Settings? This slide I made to depict the current therapy landscape in the advanced urothelial cancer in cisplatin-eligible patients, cisplatin-based chemotherapy, usually gemcitabine cisplatin, followed by a velumab switch maintenance therapy for those without progression is a standard of care. And for those who are not fit for cisplatin, Arpoplatinism, cytabine, followed by development maintenance in no progressors in the side of care based on the level one evidence generated in the Javelin Bladder 100 trial. The big question is in the future, is there any potential role for antibody drug conjugates? We have data I'm going to share with you in a second with a combination of dotin, antibody drug conjugate against nectin 4, plus pembrolizumab an anti PD1 checkpoint inhibitor. And that's a big question whether this combination may or not get accelerated approval by the FDA. We'll discuss the data in a second. And of course, ongoing clinical trials with that combination. In a platinum-ineligible population that cannot get any platinum chemotherapy, these patients get usually checkpoint inhibition or, or they go on clinical trials. And the rest of the therapy landscape depends on the performance status, what prior therapies patients received. And of course, antibody drug conjugates have a role in the second and third and beyond line setting of pretreated metastatic urothelial cancer, depending on what therapy the patient may have received before. So let's look at the data from the EV103 trial. This trial is in cisplatin ineligible or not fit for cisplatin patients. Initially, we saw data from cohort A. This was about three years ago at ESMO 2019 by Dr. Hoims. This was a small cohort of 45 patients not randomized, single arm, 45 cisplatin ineligible patients received a combination of pembrolizumab plus and Fortumab vedotin. Of course, you know, you can argue it's a small subset, maybe some selection bias, but the data were very impressive with an overall response rate of 73% and disease control rate about 93%, with 57% confirmed, response rate in patients with liver metastasis, which is a very negative prognostic factor and usually is associated with low response rates, especially with checkpoint inhibition. So very promising data in that uh, particular cohort. There was a breakthrough designation by the FDA, no FDA approval yet, and we're all waiting to see more data with this promising combination. As you see, 84% of patients had visceral meds and about a third had liver metastasis Obviously, this was a very, very promising, but did not change practices. It was three years ago. Fast forward now, we just saw data from Dr. Rosenberg at ESMO 2022 meeting. This is a cohort K. Again, cisplatin ineligible patients who are not fit for cisplatin in the frontline setting, chemotherapy naive for advanced disease. These patients got allocated into treatment with a combination and fortnavedotin plus pembrolizumab combo or in form of the therapy, you see the sample size 76 and 73 patients. This was not powered to compare the two arms. So this is not a randomized comparison. This is just allocation into different arms, just to get some signal and also look at the individual contribution of components. You know, how do patients with EV monotherapy do? As you see, the makeup of the patients, you see about three-quarters were men, and uh, you see that about 85% of patients or so had PS 0 to one. And about six to seven percent had lower tract bladder cancer mostly. And you see on the right part of the slide the breakdown regarding the location of metastasis. You see that about more than 80% of patients had visceral metastasis, and you see the breakdown of the PDL1 status. Here is the totality of the data in terms of response rates. You see plus and fortumab combination response rate approaching sixty five percent the response rate with EV monotherapy was forty five percent The complete response rate was about ten percent with a combination and the median duration of response was not reached. The median time to response was at the time of the first scan early on and used to meet the median number of cycles was about eleven with a combination it's important to note that uh, there was some promising signal in terms of progression and overall survival very impressive. However, this is not a randomized trial, and we have to take the PFS and OS data with a grain of salt. And the patients who had liver metastasis had a 54% response rate, and the response rate was consistent across pre groups. And as I mentioned, most responses were shown early on at the first assessment. You see here that the maximum percent reduction from baseline of the target lesion by blinded Independent Review Committee, you see that 97%, almost all patients, practically, almost, uh, they had some reduction, some degree of reduction in the tumor size. Toxicity is something one need to keep in mind, important because of therapy burden, morbidity, and very rare, low mortality. As you see here, fatigue, peripheral neuropathy, alopecia, skin rash, pruritus, taste changes, weight loss diarrhea, nausea, anorexia, dry eyes stood out as a side effects. And you see here treatment-related adverse events on both arms. And if you see the right part of the slide, serious treatment-related adverse events, about a quarter with PEMBRO-EV combination, about 15% with EV monotherapy. And as I mentioned before, it was a very low a risk of uh, treatment related adverse event resulting in death it was about 4% with EP-Pembro and about 3% with IV monotherapy overall the combination was feasible and toxicity for most patients was manageable. And as you see, the addition of Pembro seemed to increase the uh, grade three, four treatment led adverse events from EV alone. And you see here in the right part of the slide of the historical comparison from EV31 phase three trial in patients after chemotherapy and after checkpoint inhibitor, different patient population. But that just to give you a sense about the toxicity with a combination versus historical control of EV immunotherapy, and of course, the concurrent arm of EV immunotherapy in the EV103 trial. And you see here the grade 3 or higher treatment-related adverse events with each arm. The combination of Pembrol-EV is not FDA-approved. We're waiting to see what the regulatory agencies will say, but also we're waiting for the definitive phase 3 trial of pembrolizumab plus and fortumavidotin versus the standard of care, which is chemotherapy. And that trial at some point allowed the switch maintenance of velumab, which is the standard of care, as we mentioned before, especially in patients who have no progression in chemotherapy, they can go on velumab maintenance. Very quickly, there's data with of Covitican. There is a lot of uh, data set uh, to discuss, but in this particular slide, I'm showing you the cohort four that is, is not reported yet is combining cisplatin plus as as induction therapy in the frontline setting for advanced glioblastoma cancer, followed by sastuzumab and plus avelumab suite maintenance therapy. Uh, so tuzumab is part, part of induction and maintenance, and then avelumab is only part of the maintenance. This trial is on, the cohort is ongoing, and then we have cohort five and six coming up later. Very quickly, a quick note on localized disease. We have seen data from cohort AIDS, from EV103 trial. This were presented by Dr. Petrulak in ASCOGU U2022. This is neoadjuvant and mavidotin monotherapy, just three cycles before radical cystectomy, not randomized, just single arm. As you see, muscle invasive disease of the bladder, ECOG PS01 or 2, and patients had to be medically fit for enfort an and for radical cystectomy and lymph node dissection. The URPT was done within three months uh, from cycle 1 to 1, and as you see here, about a third of the patients had pathologic complete response, and about half of the patients had pathologic downstaging, a promising signal, but this is not practice changing, but it definitely sets the stage for more trials. And here is a Keynote B15 EV304 trial comparing nfortamavidotin plus pembrolizumab to gem CIS as perioperative therapy here and EV plus PEMBRO. In the localized disease setting, the trial is ongoing, is accruing patients, and we have no data yet. But awaiting in the future, the Rolf and Fortumab in the localized disease setting is still experimental and has to be validated in this trial. In the other two trials, the keynote 905, PEMBRO EV, or PEMBRO alone, uh, compared to no perioperative therapy, keynote 905 for cisplatin ineligible patients, and the VOLGA trial evaluating Durvalumab, Remilimumab, and fortumab in cisplatin ineligible patients. These trials are ongoing and need to be accrued. And very quick note before we go, we look at variant histology, bladder cancer patients who had predominantly or pure variant histology, muscle-based bladder cancer. We're testing the satz and a single agent monotherapy in those patients who are not fit for cisplatin and they have predominantly or pure variant histology. This trial is about to open very soon at the University of Washington as uh, something to keep in mind. Very uh, much appreciated your attention. Thank you so much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com/cme. Thank you for listening.